The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Let's pray. Lord, I just, uh, just thank you today for what you've done. Lord, that you, uh, you, you sent your only son to die for us, Lord, and we thank you for um, what's come as a result of that, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in us now. And Lord, we look forward to uh, what you're doing in the future, Lord. We look, we look forward to, to seeing you again, Lord. God, I just pray uh, for this room, God, that our, our hearts would be uh, softened to your word, Lord. Lord, um, I just pray for Ryan that um, your spirit would fill him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Matt. Good morning, guys. So uh, before I get started, I wanted to introduce you to, uh, to uh, my family. So I have two daughters. They're at the back right now. They're uh, doing the Sunday school. But I wanted to introduce my wife, Kathy, and uh, my son. Yeah. And my son, uh, Aiden. He, he, is, uh, he is one of the reasons why... Uh, I think grace has been filled in my life because uh, if you know him, you have to be grace-filled. You have to be patient with him. <laughs> so God has been teaching me about grace with this guy, and especially with my wife who's been with me uh, through a lot of stuff that's happened in my life. And I just wanted to introduce you guys to them, and I want to thank them and just because I love them. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Guy's awesome. Well, before I get started, I wanted to recap some of the things that we've uh, talked about, right? Randall uh, has gone through the book of Titus, and Titus has been an amazing book in talking about, well, what does it look like for the church to be crafted by God, right? So we've gone through things about, okay, what does it mean to teach sound doctrine, and then what does it mean to be a, a church of, that, that focuses on discipleship? So last week, we talked about how older men should disciple younger men and how older women should disciple younger women. Now, Paul now tries to uh, uh, lay this out on this verse. So if we can bring this up uh, on Titus, on uh, uh, verse 11 through 15, the original, in the original Greek, it's actually a long sentence, right? Paul is known for that. He, he loves to just not worry about commas or periods. He's like, you know what? I'm going to say what I want to say, and just, you guys will figure it out, right? <laughs> so uh, as I was studying this, I was telling a, a friend of mine today, uh, I was studying the, the verses, and just on the first verse alone, as I was doing my exegesis, I was already at like five pages. And then I told my wife, you know what? I don't know how to preach this. Because it's going to take three hours. And I know you guys have three hours today, right? So <laughs> just a heads up. But my wife said, well, <laughs> so my wife said, well, don't overexplain. Okay, all right. Well, let me pray on that. And then this week, uh, I've also uh, requested to work um, Friday. So I'm a pharmacist by trade. I work at night. Um, I work usually from 3 p.m. to about 1 a.m. to uh, 3 a.m. 
Uh, so it's hard. You know, as a bivocational uh, uh, volunteer, it's hard to find time in that. And it's hard to find grace in that. Uh, because, uh, you know, I couldn't find time to just dig into the Word. And uh, Randall and I have been talking throughout the week and said, hey, you know what? Find grace for yourself. Okay? It's okay. And it's okay. So that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about is how are we crafted by grace? Right? I mean, it's in our name. It's in the name of our church, Gray City. But do you know what it means? Has it personally uh, been real to you? Because if it hasn't, then everything that Paul talked about in the prior verses then has no root. Grace is the linchpin of our faith, right? If there was no grace, there would be no Gray City. So before I get started, let's pray. I want, I want you guys to pray for yourselves. I want you guys to pray for the next person behind, uh, next to you. Uh, and just think about how grace uh, should cover you and should cover us. So let's pray. Father, Lord, Father, I pray uh, just humbly in your throne uh, that you bring grace upon us, that you show grace on us. Lord, we need it. We long for it. Lord, it is part of your character, it's part of your attributes. I just pray that we see what it is, that we know what it is, that we get to feel, we get to uh, pierce our heart. Lord, I pray that you soften our hearts today. I pray that the people will hear your word, not mine. Lord, remove me from this place, deny myself. Uh, Let me get out of the way so the Holy Spirit can preach. Lord, I thank you for today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's start. You know, grace in Hebrew, the original Hebrew uh, word for it was ken or hen. And it's mostly used in the Old Testament as finding favor in God. Like Moses found favor in God, right? In uh, the New Testament, the Greek word is charis. And it's uh, defined as acceptable, a favor, or it's a gift of an act of divine influence upon the heart. So there's a divine influence with grace. So we think about grace, we think, okay, maybe I can earn it. Maybe if I'm good enough, I can get grace. But what I want to show you today is that grace has appeared all the way from the beginning and it's happening now, right? So Paul, in his, uh, in his message, in his letter, is really, really specific about how he uh, formats the way grace works in our lives. So you guys know the meaning of uh, justice? Like justice is getting what we deserve, right? And mercy is not getting what we deserve, and grace then is getting what we don't deserve, right? It's crazy how to think about that way, like, okay, justice, what does that mean? Because the first verse, let's look at it, And if you have your Bibles, let's open it up together and go on verse 11. So Paul says, for, meaning because of, right, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Let's stop there. For the grace of God has appeared. Who is he talking about? Who is he talking about? You know, in Genesis, 
uh, if we start all the way back in Genesis, in Genesis 3, 7, uh, we go to the story of Adam and Eve, right? Adam meaning humanity in Hebrew. Remember the story when uh, uh, God said, you know what, don't eat from this tree or you'll surely die. And the serpent says, no, he's, nah, he's bluffing, right? He said, no, you can eat from it. Don't worry about it. And they did. What happened? On verse 7, Genesis chapter 3 says, Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves, themselves loincloth. So in the beginning, right, everything was good. Everything was amazing. And then Adam and Eve decided for themselves, for unbelief and sin come, came in, and said, you know what, let me define good and evil on my own terms, right? And we see the first act of righteousness, right? They didn't go to God and said, hey, I messed up. What did they do? They went and uh, did it for themselves. And then God, in his grace, the following verses, he said, where are you? So he knew they messed up, but he was still seeking them. He was still pursuing them, and that's the same thing with us. How many times have we felt like we've messed up, and we've, on our own terms, you know what, I can fix this. I can work on it myself. I don't need God. I'm a bright young man, a bright young woman. I can do it. See, but I wanna show you that grace came in in Genesis. In Genesis 21, verse 21, this is what it says. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Do you guys see that? Do you guys see that? God made them garments of skin. What does that mean? See, I've read this before and I've probably just completely missed it. It meant that God had to kill an animal, a sacrifice, right? I mean, there wouldn't be a, a deer or a sheep just walking around naked without their skin and just jumping around. No. There had to be an atoning for their sins. So you see, grace has already been there in the beginning. Even in the time that he created us, Imago Dei, we were created in his image. That couldn't have happened without grace. In Exodus, Exodus 33, uh, we see uh, Moses having a conversation with God, right? This is in Mount Sinai, and he's talking. Uh, God is saying, hey, you need to go. You need to go up and leave Mount Sinai. And Moses says, like, no, I don't want to go unless you're with me. What am I going to tell the people? What am I going to tell Israel? And God said, no, you will go because I will be with you. And this is what he said. On uh, verse 17, okay, Exodus 33. The Lord said, and before that, when you see the Lord uh, in the Old Testament, if it's all capitalized, that's a holy name, okay? It's different from uh, L and then small letter O-R-D. So this is the Lord's uh, talking. He said, and the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor, right? Remember, grace in my sight, and I know you. By name. I know you by name. How awesome is that, that 
God knows you by name? What is in your name? Like if someone calls you in the wrong, like a lot of people at work call me uh, Brian. And, uh, <laughs> and I get annoyed a little bit, but you know, it's been about a couple of years and I say, if you don't get it now, I'll be Brian. So it's all right. Um, but God knows you by your name. So you think about uh, your name and you think about, oh, you're, my mom gave this name to me or my dad gave this name to me. But you know what? Your name has already been chosen by God himself. Not your mom, not your dad, but God knows you by your name. That is grace. For someone, a creator that big, that immense, knows you by your name. That's amazing. Let it marinate. Let it marinate. And he said, and then Moses, getting all confident, he said, well, you know what, God? He says in verse 18, he said, please show me your glory. Okay, maybe, you know, when I was first reading, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's a reasonable request, right? But as you read on, God says, you know what? You can't see my glory. You can't see my face or you can't live. Is that crazy? Is that crazy or just me? That's crazy. What does that mean? He said, you can't see my glory because you will die. You will die. Now, I want you to tuck that in, okay? I want you to tuck that in because we're going to come back to that. And I'm going to show you why that's important. See, God revealed his character when he said in the same passage, he said, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Grace is not yours to give or to take. Grace is an act of God. Grace is God's alone. I want you to remember that. And grace had to appear before that because of the things that I'm going to talk about, right? Paul sets this up uh, in the beginning where he said, for the grace of God has appeared, past tense. And if you go down, you'll see that our hope, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of God. So there's two appearings. One has happened already. The second one hasn't yet. And it's important the way God has uh, uh, set up his redemptive plan that way. And you'll see why, right? Because do you realize, as uh, it's found in Exodus, that we can't exist in the same presence of a holy God? That someone is as impure as our sin cannot exist in the same presence. And Adam and Eve knew that. They hid from God. Moses knew that. In Romans 5, 6, it says, While we were still weak at the same time, or at the time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we see in the Old Testament, God's plan of grace has started, and he knew what he was doing. He knew where he wanted to be. He knew what you needed. He knew what I needed. I needed grace. 
Is that the same for you today? Do you know that you need grace? A lot of times, I think in my life, a few years ago, um, I went to school in uh, Stockton to finish my doctorates there. Uh, my wife stayed uh, in San Diego, so we were uh, separated for about four years. Um, and it was not fun, not fun at all. You know, my wife and I had gone through a lot of things, and being apart uh, just made it worse. See, but in my head, uh, my, my thinking was that, you know what, it's a career that I'm building for my family. They'll be okay. As soon as I'm done, I can make money, I can provide. It'll be okay. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know, I nearly lost my, my family, my life, um, because I put my identity into something else. I didn't put grace in my heart because I felt like I needed to prove myself. You know, as a Filipino man, a brown man, you know, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to prove yourself out there. And you see that career or prestige um, can kind of elevate you. And that was my goal. You know, that I'm worth something. That my life means something. Do you feel that way sometimes? For you guys who are going to school, do you feel like uh, you getting a degree will make you justified? Do you think that's going to make you who you are? Or maybe you're already working. You're maybe in your job for like 10 years, 15 years. Is that who you are? Or maybe you're a mom that's just staying home. Do you find your identity in that? It's hard for us to give grace or to receive grace. So most of the time, we try to do it ourselves. I did. And God had to pull it from me. It was actually the same time that I met Randall. Uh, my wife actually met Randall. And uh, I just came back from my clinical rotations, and she said, you got to meet this guy. I was like, what does he do? He's a church planner. I was like, what is that? Uh, what does that mean? I said, oh, he plants, I guess he plants churches. So I was like, all right, I'll, I mean, I, I probably am free tomorrow or something. I'll give him 10 minutes, uh, you know. Um, but Randall, you know, Randall and I met, and, uh, and he knows this story. We talked uh, over lunch, right, at a Hawaiian place. And I asked him, I said, who's your team? He said, me, my wife, and my kids. I said, you're crazy. <laughs> I said, all right, well, you know, when you figure it out, let me know. I'll, I guess I'll jump in, maybe. <laughs> That's where my heart was. But three years has passed, and, and God has been teaching me grace and has been teaching me humility in the process. You know, I preached before. I, you know, I preach here today, and uh, today was probably one of the hardest I've had to prepare for because it pierced my heart of what grace has done uh, in my family, in my own self. And it's amazing where God has brought me. And he's still, he's still going. And I'm still refusing and clawing my way out sometimes. 
Now I want to move on on Luke 179, uh, 1, chapter 79, because remember uh, we talked about the word appeared. Appeared in the, Greeks, uh, in the Greek is epiphanio. I'm probably butchering that. Uh, but it means to show light. So in uh, Zechariah, when they brought uh, Jesus to Zechariah, he was prophesying about Jesus, and he said this. Jesus is to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death uh, to direct our feet into our way of peace. So Jesus was supposed to appear as our light. In John 1.16, he says, From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Right? So he's been working his redemptive plan all the way through. And we're seeing the culmination of that in Jesus. John called Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I wanted to read something uh, if you guys have uh, never heard of Bonhoeffer, he's a German theologian, and he talks about costly grace, like how much it cost God grace, because I want to make sure you know that, right? We can't talk about grace without talking about our sinful nature, and at the same time, not talk about how much it cost God to bring us grace. He says this, it is grace because it caused us to follow Jesus. It is costly because it cost a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin and grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. And it is above all grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life. I was thinking about that. And what if Jesus said, you know what? God, I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. What would happen to us? As believers, if you are a believer... Think about the implications of that. If Jesus had said, no, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go to the cross for these guys. But everything then falls apart. There's no hope if Jesus didn't go to the cross and he resurrected, Right? God's undeserved goodness and loving kindness manifested itself in Jesus. And becoming obedient to the cross and his, his resurrection, overcoming sin and death, imputing to us a righteousness that we did not earn. Right? We didn't earn that righteousness that Jesus had on him. But grace needed to happen. Grace needed to appear. You know, I think most of the time we look at sin and we're more afraid of the consequences than we are with our sin, right? Um, you know, uh, we could be 
You could be uh, rationalizing, you know what, I don't love money. I just needed to stabilize my life, or I just needed to provide for my family. Well, I'm not really an angry person. You know, I just get rattled sometimes. Right? Or, you know, I don't really look at pornography. That's, that's not a big deal. It's just a small thing. And I know men uh, has gone through that all the time. See, most of the time what we'll do is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to limit the consequences of, of us getting caught and instead uh, find walls or barriers to just kind of uh, limit that. But we're not dealing with the sin inside itself. See, God didn't just put grace for the sinner, but he put grace for your sins. Right? He had to blot that out. Has grace been a real living word to you? Is it just a principle? Is it personal? Or is it just a new law to follow again? Oh, here's another Christian law that I have to, that I should and should and should instead of I get to love Jesus. Do you understand the immensity of his love for you? How immense it is. Because if we did, then this next verses um, on verses 12, we'll, you'll realize why it's important. So for the grace of God has appeared, it brought salvation, but not only did it bring salvation, it trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. You see, that he didn't say, hey, live self-controlled and godly, right, and then grace will appear. No, Paul said, grace has appeared so you can live that life. So we can't miss that. Like, grace is so much more, and that's gonna take for a half an hour today, that it's, we're gonna continue to know grace as we continue to follow Christ. So what I wanna give you today is a primer, a basic Understanding so that it, you can put it in your heart, you can tuck it in and say, you, this is grace. I can't tell you what grace is more than God can show you what grace is for your lives. I hope he does. My prayer is that he does. It says, uh, uh, training in Greek is, uh, it's similar to a parent training a child and that requires everything from the full spectrum of teaching, encouragement, correction, and discipline. Right? So the grace of God does that to us. It denies our unbelief in God. See, in Romans 12, it says, Do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In uh, 2 Corinthians, it says, Taking every thought captive to obey Christ. And then Jesus himself, if you follow me, if you follow me, he says in Matthew, then deny yourself, deny your worldly passions, take up your cross and follow me. What does it mean to deny ourselves? 
What does it mean to renounce ungodliness for you? Are you clinging to things that are temporary in this life? What are worldly passions? See, I like shoes. I love shoes. Uh, And my wife knows that I have boxes of shoes at home. Man, that is a worldly passion. I didn't know it. I like watches too, actually. I do like watches. Man, God is just working. (laughs) I'm just spilling my guts out today, guys. (laughs) Give me some grace, church. But what does it mean to deny those passions? What does it mean for me to say no to that? What does it mean for me to see God's grace that's so much better than my shoes or my, your watches or anything that I hold dear to? What does it mean to you? What do you have at your home that you have so much of? You don't have to answer me. You know, right? You know. God knows. What does it mean to deny ourselves? In 1 John, he says this in uh, chapter two. Do not love the world or the things in the world. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father. Why? Because it's passing away. It's temporary. Everything is temporary. But the glory of God is permanent. The glory of God is permanent. What else does it train us to? Number three, what did... What else does it train us to? He says to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. See, Paul doesn't waste words, or the Holy Spirit doesn't waste words in God's, um, in God's, uh, God's word, right? What does it mean to live self-controlled lives? We just talked about it. When uh, Paul wrote this, he actually was talking about the relationship between uh, three things, uh, you know, relationship between three things. Living self-controlled lives means your relationship with yourself. Like, how are you self-controlled? Like, are, do you live in extremes in life? Like, do you get angry at simple things? Is emo- the, are emotions control your life? Because a self-controlled man uh, finds his joy in God and knows that his circumstances may change, right? Things may not work out, but but that doesn't rock you because you have the grace of God in you. You know something is better than what you have now. In Proverbs, it says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Like sin gets into your life and it just leaves you with nothing to control your whims. That's scary. But at the same time, God's grace gives you those walls. What does it mean to be upright? This is in regards to being with people. Do you love your neighbor, neighbor as much as you love yourselves? And I'm asking you, do you love, I mean, if I ask you you love your family, you'd say, yeah. You love your neighbor, though. I'm not just talking about, you know, your neighbor right across the street. I'm talking about the people next to you. 
Do, do, uh, let's do something uh, different today. Um, I want you to look to your left. I want you to look to your right. Don't make it weird. I just want, <laughs> you don't have to wink or anything. I just want you to look. No, let's do it. So look to your left, look to your right. I just want you to acknowledge the person around you. Do you love them? God said, you know, that's one of his commandments. Love your neighbor as you love yourselves. Do you love them? You got to be honest. What about at work? Do you gossip? You know, I've heard something uh, that uh, your best friend at work is the one that you have a common enemy with. Is that true? I don't know if that's true, but I think it is. Right, you gang up on that person, and that's your BFF. Are you part of that? Are you part of that gossip? Are you part of that? Because if you are, then you're not loving your neighbor, right? And that's hard, that's hard, guys. How do we love our neighbor? Again, it goes back for the grace of God has appeared. Can't do it on our own. I need God to show me. I need God to tell me. I need God to work in my heart. That song today, Creating Me a Clean Heart, that's powerful. And what does it mean to be godly in regards to God and your relationship with him? Do you deny yourself? How selfish are you? I'm gonna ask that question again. How selfish are you? I can't answer that for you. In 1 John, it says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. In him, the love of God is truly perfected. Here's the truth, guys. God, grace is not looking at the past and seeing our sin and saying, I'm not fit to be a Christian. Man, I'm failing on this. Or I'm a horrible person. Or maybe I'm a good person. I, I actually, you know, I tithe, I pray, I read the Bible, I go to church, I'm, here, I'm serving here in Gray City. I'm good. I'm good. I, or I have to keep working get, to get better at it. You know, I know grace saved me, but... I feel like I just got to do more to keep that, to be assured of that. But rather, it, it should point us and lead us to praise and worship God and magnify his grace in Jesus. So you have not sinned yourself outside the love of God. And you have not earned yourself grace by your own works. See, when you realize the enormity of your sin and the enormity of grace, then what follows is true repentance and casting yourself to his love and his grace. It should lead us to repentance. Now I want to move on to the next appearing that Paul was talking about, that as we realize what grace means, then it leads us to this. Right? 
It says waiting for our blessed hope. You know, hope in Hebrew, uh, the original word is, uh, or they use, they use the word kava. Um, and the, the root word kav is like a, a cord, right? And you pull on the cord and you have tension in the cord and you keep pulling on the cord and then it releases. That's kava. That is hope. That we are anticipating something that's so much better than what we have now. Now, because grace has appeared, do you look forward to your hope? See, our hope is not optimism. Okay, you can be an optimistic person. That's okay. That's good. It's good to be optimistic. But are you hopeful? Do you have your hope seated at something that is true? Do you cling to something that's going to happen that God says he will do for you? See, God does not lie, remember, in Titus 1? God does not lie. He is grace and truth. So we are pushed from behind by the wonder of grace, and we are pulled forward by the hope of glory. Remember we talked about uh, Moses when he said, please show me your glory, and why that was uh, a threat to Moses? In Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verse 3, he, says, he talks about Jesus and he says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Hebrews says, He is the radiance of the glory of God. So when we told Moses, I can't show you my full glory because you can't live. I can't show you Jesus because he hasn't appeared yet. Grace has not appeared yet. In Hebrews 2, 9, he says, Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. What does it mean for Jesus to be the radiance of the glory of God? Glory in Hebrew uh, has two words, kavod or kaved, meaning honor and heavy. And the verb lekhabed is to honor something, carrying the idea of making something heavy, something heavy. See, in Isaiah it says, the earth uh, holds the glory of God, or the whole earth is full of his glory. Can you imagine how heavy that is? That is his full glory, the whole earth. And yet here you are trying to carry your, carry your world in your shoulders, yeah? We try to do that. I can't. I don't know if you can. Remember that without grace, Moses couldn't have survived Jesus or God passing his glory to him. God says in Exodus, said, you know what? I will show you a part of my glory. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put you on a cleft of a rock and I'll cover you with my hands and you will see the backside of my glory. So at least you won't die. So if God says that he's coming 
our hope, his, his appearing as the glory of our great God, what does it mean for us? But be, that because grace has appeared first, and that we believe in grace in Christ Jesus, and we are able to stand in his presence. That we won't be like Moses where God says, no, you can't see it. But our blessed hope is that God, Jesus has covered us and we are able to stand in his presence, not because of us, but because of him. In Colossians 3, it says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In glory. Paul continues to talk about um, what Jesus has done because he just can't let that go. He's telling Titus, don't forget this. I want you to declare this. This is the gospel that Jesus, in verse 14, gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. So Jesus laid his life for you. You didn't take it. No one did. He laid it out for you. And to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So you see how God, in his own time, in his right time, has created this masterpiece of salvation, of redemption, that grace had to appear first so that when Jesus comes, when the great God comes, his glory will not be a threat to us. Because if you don't believe in Jesus, then his glory will disintegrate you. It will be a threat. It will be a danger to you. And he knew that. But Jesus came and he said, no, I will take that for I am the glory of God. Jesus is the glory of God. So abide in me and I will abide in you. Keller, you guys know who Keller is. Uh, Randall talks about Tim Keller all the time. I love him too. I'm getting to understand him. He says, nobody who understands the grace of God would ever take sin lightly. The more you deal with the free grace of God, the more you work it into your heart. The more you understand this, the more you understand that your salvation has nothing to do with your behavior. The more that will change your behavior, the more radically it will change your behavior. It's amazing. Now today I want to give you a chance to just realize some of the truth that I told you. One, the grace of God has appeared. Two, he's going to appear again in all his glory. And between those times, we are called to live in his, in his life. Are we doing that? Are we clinging to the hope that we are in Christ, that you are in Christ? I hope you are. You are not saved by the quality of your faith, but the object of your faith. 
There's a couple of things I wanna ask you. Is the grace of God real to you? Has it appeared in your life? Has it transformed you from inside to outside? Is the hope of Jesus coming as the glory of God what you cling to? Is that your hope? And do you believe that the gospel is good news today, tomorrow, next month, next year, until the last days? I wanna leave you with this. We live with, the ver- with verse 11 behind us. Grace has appeared. And verse 13 ahead of us. And we'll live in light of both. Grace prepares us for the future age and grace shapes us in our lives in the present. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we are thankful for you. We are uh, in your debt. Lord, I pray that we continue to live in your grace. Lord, I'm thankful that uh, Grace City is here because of you and not because of us. And I'm just blown away by your love. Lord, I pray that they continue, that we continue to be a reminder of that in our humble hearts and realize that we can't do anything apart from you. Lord, we thank you, we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.